Today's podcast is sponsored by Half Step Equestrian, where you can get your technical multi-purpose clothing for the male rider. Hope you enjoy this interview with Ashley as much as I did. Peace out. No, no 13-year-old boy should be in an audition, boy or girl should be in an audition and being told, oh, you're too skinny. Yeah. You, yeah, you're not good looking enough. In terms of like my acting career, like that is by far the proudest thing like I've ever done. This incredible experience that you, one that you'll never forget. Like in front of me, you had Channing Tatum, Halle <laughs> Berry, Colin Firth. Wow, yeah. I can imagine. It's almost like your dream is hanging in front of you, but you can't quite grab it yet. Good, good clap. That was a Ooh. nice clap, I like nice. that. Right, welcome to episode three of Only Tools and Horses. Here I'm joined by my best mate, business owner, Ashley House. It's me. It's like, <laughs> joined by, I'm, I'm with you every time. <laughs> You're with me 24 7. Yeah, it's just me and you this time, but I'm always here. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, how's your week been? Yeah, mate, I've seen you for most of it. <laughs> it's just been you stressful. Say that. We haven't actually seen each other that much this week. Oh, no, to be no. fair, I was up in Mawson for exactly. the beginning of it, and then we came back, and then we did all the work stuff we need to get done. Literally. Rolling over it. And then that. I was self-isolating for two days. You're, you're slapping the sofa. We love a slapping the right. sofa. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that's listening to this is just like... <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we've been sort of working and just sort of chilling this week and mm. getting some stuff done. We've done yeah. a lot more with the... Um, uh, the first episode went out this week um, and that's had some great reactions. Yeah, great um, feedback, haven't we? It's been really, we've had really loads nice. of people message you from yeah, how definitely. this affected them, the topics that you broached and being so vulnerable and open has really seemed to help quite a few people. So. Yeah, so it's been fantastic. It's been really nice. So I just want to thank everyone for all the feedback that we got from it. It's been brilliant, really. But I guess today is the first time we sat down since the news of going back into lockdown. Oh, mate, don't. Oh, it's yeah. painful. Yeah. It's so painful. I know. Because now there's no gym. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, the problem, isn't it? <laughs> like, first thing, gym. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is... Uh, it's interesting is that it's, uh, one of the gym managers was saying that I was a third. It was actually the second. Apparently, it's the second cleanest place, sector, whatever part it comes under in the whole of the UK. But it's one of those ones where everyone has a lot more respect in there because they know how important that is for people's mental health. Exactly. So I mean, I could go into this on and on and <laughs> Be on. Be on this topic for ages. Yeah, it's mm. uh, hopefully we're out of it by the 2nd of exactly. December. But I have a sneaky suspicion that we'll still be in it by January. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. But I guess we'll just have to deal with it the best we can and just hopefully that not too many people struggle during hard time again because especially during winter, it's going to be a real... Real hard time for a lot of people not being yeah. able to get outside and everything. No, exactly. But at least we can still do this because unfortunately, yeah. as much as I'd love to self-isolate away from you, <laughs> you, you come under business. So <laughs> we I, we still do this and we can still create content and, and guests that um, we have lined up to, to speak to. We've already organised through Zoom. So there should be plenty of content uh, coming on the half step account and plus in that time we will launch the clothing exactly, exactly. <laughs> right in the middle of lockdown <laughs> exactly and a part of me was like oh, i don't know if that's a bad thing or if that's a good thing but um regardless we're going to launch so I'm, exactly. I'm looking forward to that so we're getting there but it's coming it's yeah exactly coming. and hopefully the podcast can give some form of entertainment during during lockdown meantime, for people and in keep the meantime them a bit preoccupied anyway ash tell us a little bit about yourself like 
obviously we touched a little bit in episode one when you were interviewing me um, about how we connected yeah. through secondary school. But from then on, what like where where have you then gone and what have you done? And just tell us a little bit about just about my you. whole life. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, just life. yeah, summary about your whole life and where you are now. It's a, this whole thing is such a strange run because I don't mm. understand why anyone wants to to listen to me come into this industry. But it's a it's a it's a strange feeling being right here from where I've gone through to, to be where I am. So without sort of repeating what we'd already discussed and letting um, our new audience and people that are getting in touch with us and listening, just listen to the same stuff. Um, obviously we met um, through school and then I've, I've studied, trained, uh, wanted to be an actor since I was as seven or eight as I was really really young and um I was lucky enough to get signed by an agency when I was quite long young so it was almost installed in me like that's what you're gonna do um so I, I very much followed the performing arts path for a long while like that is like tunnel vision this is where I'll end up so when we was at secondary school I got to about year nine and then left and then went and studied at the Brit school um, and I was there for four years uh studied theatre and then went on didn't immediately go and go to drama school afterwards I think I, I I had a lot of rejection from drama school um and I think I took a year two years out um and I didn't do a huge amount in in that time that was quite a difficult time I didn't really do too much um and then it was lucky enough that I took a cert HE course with East 15 and then it was only like a year. So it's not like a, like a full degree. It's like a certificate of higher okay, education. Yeah. Yep. But to me, like that was like a taster of drama school. Um, and then I did that for you. I absolutely loved it. Um, but there was a part of me that was like, I could not do another three years at drama school. Like I think as well, I was slowly not getting older. Like I'm still exceptionally young, but I got to that mentality of like, well, now I'm going to have to audition for like another two, three years, maybe still not get in, then get in at maybe like 25, 26. And then, a further three years and then come out at 28 completely broke in debt with no roles to go to um, and no backup plan for a job so finished East 15 and then again was sort of back to square one which sort of it was almost like a, a a graph of just me constantly being like emotionally up and down up and down and then um, yeah came back back to my hometown and then didn't have any plans set up a, a talent agency um ended that at some point that's i think a, that's quite a big subject for us to definitely touch on is that through your experiences within the acting uh, industry you then set up a talent agency because yeah. from your own experiences you felt that actors aren't really looked after so just for, to like broaden the subject on that how what did you find from the acting industry that then made you want to set up the um, talent agency? I've I've had some amazing agents um, that I get on really well with, um, but I've had years and years of rejection, um, and you start looking into a point where you start going, "Why is this like?" Yeah, there is a level of luck, right uh, right place, right time. Of course, like everything really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, right, knowing the right people, 
uh, and there's stuff like what can I do to improve um, and one of the things was agencies like I found personally that especially like since owning the agency or running the agency that there is a almost like a method of agenting and it's not done by all agents but a majority of them will take hundreds of clients on their books and they will have all of these clients per one agent right? right and so you have the producer will send out a casting call to like spotlight and spotlight is like the main thing like yellow pages for actors okay, like yeah, everyone's in the yeah. dictionary of spotlight yeah. like casting directors can go in there actors can like you have to do certain things you can get a spotlight account it's where you get seen and um yeah like an eight one agent would have loads of clients and would see a role come through and just like throw everyone at it like it's ridiculous like so you was essentially competing against people that you weren't you weren't even right for the role no like i there's a, a time i can't remember the exact so i'm not going to like go into it too much but there was an audition that i think my brother went to and um he was sitting in the waiting room and he was surrounded by a bunch of asian lads that were his age and he was looking around like oh you who are you here for and he's <laughs> yeah. like i'm here for the role of like alex yep. and he's like well there's clearly a mix up here yeah. do you know what i mean so yeah, you get to so... points where you're sitting there and you're like why do i bother so um yeah i don't know where i originally went i sorry <laughs> yeah. went off a little bit but... But, but yeah um what was it originally why how what did i see in the agency no why you started the agency like, oh yeah so yeah. why i started i didn't like that that uh method of treating clients because i felt like i had been in that situation for so long so almost I, overlooked in a way and you're just treated as a group rather than in and rather than an in, individual yeah no mate, yeah. massively so like you are people don't understand how hard it is to train as an actor like what you give to it and there's a lot of times you get looked at on sets on 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 stage productions where you're sort of below people and i just wanted to own something or run something that I could look at these artists as a human being instead of just a tool. Yeah, there is the whole, you're only a walking, talking prop. You're only just a background figure. You only do this, you only do that. But without these cogs in, in the clock, it doesn't run. And I just got tired of seeing actors getting treated like rubbish. And I, it was just after I came back from East 15 and I'd had loads of, I'd made loads of great friends there and saw how some of them started to get treated, like in the industry, having been already in the professional world beforehand, like some of these people like, hadn't gone further than drama school, like yet. Some of them have since gone on to do some amazing things, but I I wanted to give them the opportunity rather than them having, my original fear was coming out of drama school and then having no work yeah. and having, sitting there going, I don't know what I'm doing. I wanted to be in a situation where I could help my friends and say, look, you're exceptionally talented let's try and of course help you and point you in be the right a bit direction. controversial of but course, yeah uh, it's very similar because the last two episodes we've touched on the subject of sort of the mentoring and support for young riders and it's no different really what you're saying about why you want to set up the agency it was to try and offer the best support for that actor at that time and it seems to be a common theme in pretty much every industry unless you're the top top person within your age group at that certain time you don't get that support that you actually need to to set up like we've talked about future things that we want to do on yeah. mentoring and supporting people on the come up because that's when you need the help and it seems to be in most industries 
that it's just not there. No, it it, it does. It feels very clicky. Mm. Um, and it's a shame because I feel like, it, like you say, it is a common theme that runs within a lot of industries. Rightly so, yeah, okay, it comes down to who you know. And I can understand that. Like if I had a son and I was a big successful producer and I had the ability to put my child in something like that and that say that was their dream, mm. why wouldn't you do that? Like I understand that, but it just comes back to the people at the bottom keep getting forgotten. Of course. About. But then like when we were speaking to Annie with her dad and her uncle and aunt, yeah, she was from her perception, she had quite a lot of opportunities, but she still needed to earn those opportunities at the same time. So yes, like from what you're saying, but at the same time, people need to earn those opportunities. And yeah. it's when they're not the best actor, but because their dad is X, Y, Z, they then get that role. And that's where it's just so unfair. Yeah, I think that's the difficult point. And I definitely saw a few times was um, people would get roles because like it's their inner circle. They, they know the casting mm. director. Um, their dad or mum was... A, B, C. So all of, that, all of a sudden it's more important that they get the role because it's like the gravitas that comes to that. Um, and it's just demoralising, mate. Like it just gets to a point where you think, well, why do I fucking try? Yeah. Like what is the point? Yeah. Then you get more setbacks than from everything you're doing and you're putting so much in and getting so little out. It's demoralising. Yeah, exactly. It really is. But like you said with Annie, like it, that is okay. Yeah. That is okay to be in a situation where I'm not going to sit and then slag off everyone that, as an opportunity like if you are gifted in this life to have some a head start above mm. other people that is absolutely fine just recognize you have that head start and don't use it with no hard work behind yeah exactly it. that's you... what infuriates me yeah. seeing people go well i've got it because my dad's so yeah, exactly so. like if i can and i've ha- again seen it on the other side people with that head start who graft like i mean graft and you look at them and you go fair play and almost they use it in the opposite way they use it as motivation so that they go i'm doing it because of who i am not because of who my dad or mum is rather than like yeah. some people live off their dad and mum and like oh my dad and mum is xyz so yeah. i've got the head start whereas again with annie she was like i didn't want people to think of me as getting these opportunities because of who my dad or uncle or yeah, is. Yeah, and I imagine that could also be just as difficult. Like, if you used to completely role reverse it, like, that could be just as difficult as not having those head starts in life because yeah. then you're already defined by those opportunities you already have. Yeah. And that does it, it goes back to yeah. what we said right in the first one is being put into a box and then trying to rebel out of that. Like, I, I wish I knew the names of this, but it was something, um, there was a TV show and i remember lloyd said lloyd being my brother but he said something about oh yeah did you know that so and so is his dad and i was like no way like i've been watching this guy for ages and but yeah he didn't want to do this because he didn't want to be associated with his dad i will find the name of that but it's so yeah it's the other is the complete role reversal exactly and it probably adds more pressure and stress to them when they're trying to get out of their dad or mum's name in a way um so again, like you say, it's how they firstly use it and secondly, how they react to yeah. the but, situations. And it's interesting, like that whole ethos that we're talking about, like keeping it like within your small circles, I found that as an agent. I mean, I, I was only running the agency for 12 months and like I grafted with that like day in, day out, like 
my dad and I, we put in so much money and time and effort and energy. And like we were soul crushed like when mm. it didn't work out. But the only good thing about that is I managed to secure, I think, the majority of our clients with an amazing agent that we'd been partnered with. Fantastic. Um, so it was almost like a little bit of a martyr case. Like the yeah, company will go down, but I'll make sure the lifeboats yeah, are out there course, for the clients. Of course, of course. Um, so I was like, I was happy with that. But it was one of the things that I found in having been an agent for that short period of time is the the castings come through and they just automatically go to like cat a agents like top agents and then they get filtered down and it does there is never a situation where you i felt that smaller agencies could grow yeah so again it goes to that point of why am i trying like am i just gonna stay it all goes back to who knows who mm. so hopefully with what we're doing with half step it breaks that a little bit yeah exactly so like even though i didn't i wasn't born in this industry no. i've just sort of been picked up and yeah, dropped, dropped into, into, it. into it hopefully i can use that that fuel and that drive yeah. to do what we're doing the now. learning experiences that you've taken from that sort of acting agency trying to offer more support is something that we want to use and sort of put into half step eventually where we're growing the business and everything mm. so like you say it's all these little learning experiences that you've had along the way have put you in the position that you're in now which is enabling us to then try and do something with half step along the lines to help more people really exactly um so yeah again really tell us a little bit more about your experiences in the tv and film industry like because <sighs> i guess this is we've talked about it before isn't it you were the first episode of the podcast you're quite nervous about being on camera because yeah. it's the first time you're representing yourself rather yeah. than normally you're playing a character <laughs> aren't you mate it's so it's weird to talk as myself because one i'm still like why does anyone want to listen to this or why does <laughs> silly old me are we doing Do you <laughs> know I mean? like, what's the point but it's it's different for an actor who's like constantly like trained to be other people or, or play other roles to then go completely different to that. Um, but yeah, my, my experience in, in the industry was really young. Like I didn't actually, I haven't actually got work, which I could really say, damn, I was like that. I was the man in that bar. Yeah. One, one, one piece of beautiful work <laughs> cool ollie big up the ollie foundation my the producers today. <laughs> again to be fair that sort of comes back to who you know so yeah, exactly. <laughs> the joy of that it just happened to be that you live down the road so we still work with each other um yeah that was my proudest bit of work yeah. in all honesty was um the work that we did for the ollie foundation um it was one of the main sort of bit for me like that i've actually managed to speak as a role and be focused as sort of a bit more center camera um but that in particular, like that was for a um, suicide awareness foundation. And I check was... the video out, guys, if you can, because it's a fantastic yeah, video. They did brilliant an amazing work by job on it. Producers and brilliant yeah. acting by Ashley. Yeah, the whole cast was amazing. And I mean, I didn't sort of hear too much of the, the comments that were made from it, but like, Stephen Fry was retweeting it. Um, that guy from Celebs Go Dating, the receptionist, mm. Tom, I think it's like, he was really. It goes back like to what we said, even if it helped one person in that time. And it did. It really did. And like, then that's um, all you can ask for, we, isn't it? We, I did get filtered information like of he, how, how much it had touched people and it had caused people to actually realise the situation they was in and the severity of it and ask for mm. help. And that was the biggest point of it was to ask for help before it's too late. Yeah, raise awareness um, of it at that exactly. time. Exactly. So 
in terms of like my acting career, like that is the by far the proudest thing like I've ever done. I've I've done extra work. That's an interesting conversation. It's only just being an extra. Like I, I've been on numerous film sets and TV sets, and you meet some amazing people, and you meet people that you don't. <laughs> I'll try and be somewhat careful when I say some people that you don't expect to be the way they are um i can imagine disappoint you in a way yeah um i mean i so the first big thing that i sort of had through extra work was um kingsman the golden circle the second one um and i went for my costume fitting at warner brothers studios and um the guy that was fitting me he, he just took a liking to me All right. and and it was a nice bloke and you could tell like he'd been in the industry for a long time um and he was trying to fit this a guy in this suit. He fell in love with this suit, apparently. And he couldn't fit someone in it all day. <laughs> and he came to me. So he was like, oh, my God, you, the suit fits you perfectly. We, I want this in, in shot. Fantastic. So I knew I was like, oh, I'm going to get a bit featured. Like, <laughs> so with extra work, you get like extras that are just like half a mile in the background and you don't see them. Then okay. you get featured extras where you leave a, a few lines here and there or you do an action or something that narrates the scene and helps the um the main cast continue their story so i thought i'd get featured potentially but it was the first time i'd ever done anything we was filming up um in greenwich by where like the the docks is and the yes yeah, yeah i know uh there's it's like a big hall i can't remember what it's called but it was the ending of um kingsman where like in front of me you had Channing Tatum, Halle Berry, <laughs> Colin Firth, wow. Taron Egerton over there. He was getting married. Sorry if you've not seen the film. Spoil it, but come on. <laughs> it <has been> <laughs> it was released now, a few years it? ago. So actually, I'm not sorry. It's your own fault. You've not seen it. Um, <laughs> but that was the first big thing I did. I just remember being on set, mate. Like, wow, like this incredible experience that you, one that you'll never forget. Really. No, exactly. Um, but at the same time, it was quite um, upsetting. Like I was in a room with like hundreds of extras and these amazing actors. And I remember just looking around being like, I'm so close to achieving this, but yet so far away. Yeah. And I came away so happy, but so deflated at the yeah, same time. Yeah, I can time. imagine. It's almost like your dream is hanging in front of you, but you can't quite grab it yet. Yeah. Because you haven't got that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, probably there was an element as an extra, you work like crazy crazy hours and again you sort of do get treated a little bit like cattle so i mean i was up at like three in the morning then you sort of get to set they give you like uh, somewhat the food can be decent i mean yeah. i've had some amazing bits on set but then sometimes <laughs> it's like what's, what's the even point and um yeah i think i was there from like three in the morning and then i didn't get home till 11 in the evening eleven thirty that that day wow yeah i mean like you think you can't like continuity you can't move you've got to stay in that position Mm. like yeah we're going to go from this angle so the rest of the church can like move out and i'm still sitting there going knackered yeah exactly but that was that was the first one that i've been on there so to me like that was just a great experience but the more sort of extra roles i got the more i guess in a way kind of puts you off it in a way does it oh mate i would i so i don't claim to be an actor anymore like i i love acting um and i always so my my brother's an actor and to me like he is the best actor like yeah. i've ever seen like i've got favorites but when you know someone and their ability like he is an amazing actor and i just enjoy watching him yeah. perform and in a way this is 
question that I've always wanted to ask you, really. It's, I was quite lucky, obviously. I did riding, so, and my brother played football. Yeah. How did you find it, obviously, for people that don't know, your brother was Rude Ralph in Horrid Henry. How yeah. did you find that at that point when you were trying to make it as an actor and your brother got a really big role? Obviously, you must be so proud of him because he had that opportunity, but it must have been so hard at the same time because you were like... I wish I had that opportunity to to do it as well because obviously I, I know what a fantastic actor you are. Yeah, you know, just you playing around doing voices, the like Reggie or Ronnie Cray and oh Irish mate, that's accent. the voices. I tell you, voices. Yeah. So, but um, um, yeah, it must have been really hard to see your brother doing so well and being like, yeah, I'm proud, but also there's such there must have been such a like element of jealousy there as well. So, Lloyd's. The first bit of actual professional work he got was a short film called Waving at Trains. And it was starring Pete Postlethwaite. Now, he, Lloyd was playing Pete Postlethwaite's younger self. Um, Pete Postlethwaite is one of the greats. Like, I mean, you get top tier actors, then you get legendary status. Right, okay. And if I'm, I'm correct, it was... Pete Postlethwaite's last performance before he passed away. He passed away a fair few years ago wow. now. Um, but that is mental. Like, imagine being like to say like I was the last person to act alongside that. that. I mean, aside from that, that was so that was the first proper gig that Lloyd mm. got. Um, and we was quite young at that time. And I think that was the first time. Like, I was a little bit, yeah, it came through. Like, I, I got into the acting first. Yeah. Um, and Lloyd was picked up by the same agency that I was Because with. of you. Yeah. Well, because of me, but yeah. Lloyd was just... Of course. Lloyd yeah. is like the funniest, quickest person I know. Yeah. So he was going off and doing his stuff and he was getting work. And yeah, there was an element, you know, there is... I wouldn't call it jealousy, it's envy. Like, yeah. I, I wish that I had those opportunities, but I was so proud that he got them. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was only really on the first one, but that was because it was the first professional gig that between either of us, we had actually secured. Right, yes. Um, Horrid Henry came, um, I think, a few years later, and I was just over the moon for him, mate. Like, that, for me, there was an element of like, fucking go kick some ass. Like, yeah. that's exactly what I You've got the opportunity, now grab it with both hands and yeah, show exactly. what an amazing actor you yeah. are. Yeah, like, I remember, <laughs> I remember going with mum and seeing him film like the last like scene, wow. um, which is really bizarre because they like, don't, usually in film world, they don't film in order. Right, okay. And this, they actually filmed this right in order and it was like two Ferraris at the back and they was doing this music video and very sort of young child audience. Mm. But, it was again the first time where I was like, "Damn, like you're doing good." Yeah, so yeah, exactly. it was just it was utter pride. But there was there was good competition, of course. But also at the same time, you it took me a while mentally to realize that we did we look very different. Yeah. So I can't. I will never get put up for the same sort of roles. Um, so although you're in the same industry, that isn't actually the competition because you're never competing against yeah, each other for the same yeah. role. Yeah, I think that did that took me a little. Wild but you would have been quite young at that time when your brother was experiencing that sort of opportunity. So yeah. at that time, it's really difficult to understand. Whereas now, like I know how proud you are of him. He's an amazing actor, and he, like, every time I see him, he makes me oh, laugh. He's the funniest, he's the funniest, funniest like, person. He's amazing. So, um, but like I say, at that time in your life, it's really difficult to be able to go. Okay, yeah, yeah. And like I say, there's so much pressure had been put on, actually by myself, like from such a young age, that. I didn't have that 
rational thinking. No, of like, I was only what 13, 12, 13, 14. Like I was young. Like and in my head, like I'm thinking, I'm I'm gonna do this. Like this is I'm I, people. They're 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 being kids. They're playing like young teenagers. I'm, but I already know what I'm doing. It's too much pressure for such like a young lad. Like mm. and that I think was the start of the the downfall of, of the acting career. Like I've never I will never rule it out. Like no, no. I have a passion for it. Maybe one day. But right now, sometimes I've got you almost have to fall this. out of love with it to fall back in love with it in a way. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It goes back to what you said about um, horse riding was a hobby mm. and then it became a career. Mm. Um, I felt that change. Yeah. Like it, it was very much a hobby. And I think it, it's very hard for people to understand what a change that is unless you've experienced it. Yeah. And I think especially like I, I said in that episode, um, you don't really realise it either. You, it kind of just happens. But then instead of having this love and passion, you just kind of lose it. And it, it's difficult, to, again, to understand. I didn't really understand it. So again, it must have been, it probably happened a lot earlier for you in your acting career than it did for me. I was 17, 18 when, when I started thinking that horse is a career for me. Whereas with you, you're going for roles at such a young age that you've had pressure and stress from such a young age. That must have been so hard to, yeah. so hard to handle. I think I I can't pinpoint it wasn't an exact moment that I lost that hobby love for it. Um no no 13 year old boy should be in an audition boy or girl should be in an audition and being told oh you're too skinny. Yeah. You yeah, you're not good looking enough no. for the part. Like from that age uh, that sticks with you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean and I I've Built like a mental resilience, and I yeah. don't know where it's come from. I no. think it was because I saw the end goal. Yeah. So every rejection was motivation. Was a strengthening yeah. aspect. Like this is good. This this is happening for a reason. Yeah. So I should have lost the passion for it at such a younger age because I wasn't doing it for fun. I was yeah. thrown into it as a professional straight away. Yeah. And I was expecting to be a professional, but I was never making it. I was getting close and then not getting close enough. But I think when I really fell out of love with it was when I I came back and I was having to do extra work to pick up the money and I was driving all over the country and like having no social life mm. um, and just seeing how the people at the bottom got treated. I think after the years of rejection, like that's when it started to take its toll. Yeah. I remember being on a set. It's okay because I can't actually name them because I can't remember myself. <laughs> but I know the main character, she was... Oh, I think she was storming X-Men or something like okay. that. And yeah. it had the guy from um, Green Streets who was um, the governor, I think it was. What's oh, the, what's the uh, main one? I know who you mean. Yes. Ah, oh, crap. He's British in Mad Men. Or, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. So I, I, if, you can, if you can use that as a quiz and figure out which TV show I'm on about, <laughs> be my guest. I'm not in the industry anymore. So this is sort of at your own fate. Um, but there was a supporting actress and there was a scene in a nightclub in Croydon that they were filming. And I was brought in to play. Or she was going to, we was going to kiss. And it was part of the scene where she's, I think, like 28, 29, a little bit older. And that was half of like the comical gag of it. And um, when you go onto a set, people know what you're doing because like you have the. Um, ADs, you have runners, they're saying, right, can we have you to set? And people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I've been called to do ABC. And um, 
so yeah, I was meant to kiss her in the middle of this dance floor. And um, I just remember like everyone lining up outside for the runners to bring him in. And um, her being like, yeah, I don't want to kiss him. Like publicly, like looked me up and down. I was like, I, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I'm too shy. But I, then I, I catch, I hear her going, no, yeah, he's just, he's not good looking enough. All this sort of shit. And I'm going, okay, like I've always, it's a job. Like you get yeah, on and do yeah, it. Yeah, of course. And that to this day was probably the most humiliated I've ever been. Yeah. Because then they filmed this scene, right? Get this. They filmed this scene with hundreds of extras and then she went on to do the scene and have the the kiss. Um, bear in mind, she wasn't shy. Yeah. She picked one of the ADs who threw the grapevines apparently she'd been sleeping with. So she just jumped on and like had a whale of a time. <laughs> Granted, I don't need to have validation from you. No. But then I've got loads of hundreds of people going, aren't you supposed to be him? Why are yeah. you not doing it? And I'm still trying to be in this scene, like getting away. And I, mate, I was so professional. Didn't didn't kick off. I I, I think I kicked off to the agency a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, I can imagine. Then. But I, mate, I remember getting picked up from the train station coming back, and I was just sitting in the car with my dad. And mate, I was destroyed. I I, I don't. Yeah. I'm not really a crier, and I just I ball mate. I I just lost it. Yeah. Um, and it was just that level of eating shit from people at the top again. Yeah, that, uh, completely. You, uh, but that was, the, the, sad, the sad thing is, is that wasn't the only time. Like, no. this is a consistent thing. Like, I've been on a few sets where I could sit here and we could go into stories and I can say, this person's bad or actually this person's bad. Yeah. But I've seen some people that you would not expect to be so lovely. And then I've seen people that, who you go, oh, I can't wait to meet. You're really funny. You're a yeah. bit of an icon. And you go, you're okay that's you're not and in a way it goes back to how we talk about social media like how we make that quick judgment on someone without even knowing them and then you've had the um well sometimes luxury of meeting meeting them yeah sometimes sometimes. (laughs) emphasis on sometimes yeah exactly but um sometimes it's been a positive experience and sometimes completely disastrous really but i think this is why we form such a good relationship is because throughout my riding career i've had very very similar experiences of just opportunities like taken away from you whether that be the horse or owners or just so many different elements of who i was or where i was at that have then prevented me from being able to i would say maximize my potential or talent and you've had so many setbacks as well but here we are sat here trying to do something and use all those negative experiences as a positive and to try and all the closed doors that we had shut in our face, try and go, okay, take that door, use that door, go through that door, that door, that door, and then you're going to make it. So all the next generation behind us can just have, a sea of doors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> have an easier access because in a way I sort of look at, look at it. It's like a game, isn't it? Yeah. The more, when you step up a level, the more opportunities you take, then you can either stay at that level or you can continue growing. It's just that continual growth that you have mm. in yourself. I mean, I think if I was to pin it, like ethos wise, for me, going through these career changes and and different elements is, I want, want I, like most people do, I want to be in a position to give back to my family, first of all, mm. who have been there and supported me through literally everything. Um, but also like my 
close friends and loved ones mm. around me. I've always wanted to be in a position that I can give back and help other people. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I've got a million in the bank, so now you've got 500K and I've got 500K. It's not anything mm. to do with finance, but it's, right, okay, I see that you're struggling in life. How can I use my opportunities to help you? Yeah. And it well, literally and goes... experiences as well to say, don't make the same mistakes that I did. That I think that's such a key point because not many people want to actually share their experiences on, on what they've gone through to help the next generation so they don't make the same yeah, mistakes. which is why it's, it's a strange thing having this conversation because it's 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 me opening up about things that, one, I didn't think people would want to hear from and two, it's stuff that I've never really personally addressed or no. gone back over. Like, it's just been a um, stepping stone to who I am of now. Course, and now, like, I'm revisiting it. It's like, fuck, well, okay, <laughs> well, it makes sense mentally why I'm sort of where I'm at at the moment. Yeah, and why we deal with things the way that we do yeah. because certain setbacks at such a young age, you're facing the consequences when you're 24, 25 years old yeah. from experiences that you have when you're 13 years old, because you, at the time you didn't know how to deal with them or handle them because no. you're, you're under so much scrutiny, press, press, stress and pressure that um, you just don't know how to handle it. And then it goes back to how, where this position that we're now sat in, using those experiences to try and help people is what we want to do. So you don't go through that isolated. Like again, referring back to the initial podcast that's just gone out. Um, we've already had a girl that's a similar age to me, another trainer within the industry wanting to try and set up a mentoring sort of scheme for the next generation of young riders. This is amazing. Because she's had the exact same problems that I have within the industry. But unless I went out my way and spoke about them like you've done today, it would have just continued how it was. No one I'm gonna have, have spoken I'm going to have loads of actors message me like, what, what do you suggest doing? <laughs> don't fucking get into acting. <laughs> that is my word of advice. Don't do it. Just stay away from it. It's not worth it. But yeah, I think fundamentally it just comes down to putting too much pressure on yeah. yourself at such a young age, long term. Just just enjoy yourself as you yeah, go. Exactly. Like work hard, but just enjoy yourself at the same time. And I think that's why you forget about it, don't you? You forget to enjoy it when you're doing it. Because you want it so much, you don't actually enjoy it when you're doing it. Well, it's like we've both said, there was a time where we can pinpoint where that love for that died. died. Yeah. And it is that resilience that you have within yourself and you don't, which really is that crossroads point where, where you have to ask yourself, like, do you want to do this anymore? Mm. And that is probably one of the most difficult places you will come to. And everyone will come to that crossroads yeah. at some point, whether it be career, relationship, or just a difference of choices mm. of where you think it might change and then move the goalposts for where your life is going to end up mm. is you need to weigh it up personally and be honest with yourself and go, why am I here? And what is the best answer for me? Even though that mm. may hurt me now, how is that going to affect me long-term? Like there was so, so many occasions where I visited those thoughts and I said, do I want to be an actor? Like, no, I, mum, I don't want to do this anymore. I've had enough and I've, I've, yeah. I've gone off down. I'm not doing it. I, I don't, I can't be dealing with these people. I don't want to be treated like shit anymore. It's just mentally breaking me down. And then you forget about it and that's mental resilience. You keep going on, which is great. But then it comes to a point where it can really negatively yeah. affect you because you keep going. You need to use that positively. But then you also need to be understanding of when there is enough, like yeah. there is a line. Exactly. And, it, and, and the day that I was, I, I said to my dad, I was like, yeah, like, 
I'm not doing this anymore. anymore for the time being. Like I'm not doing yeah. that. Was hard for me of because course. they've spent financially. It's like it's similar to horse riding, like drama lessons, driving. I used to have a drama teacher, yeah. and she was in Worthing. Bear in mind, we're in like Sussex, something like an hour. But if you think an hour there, then an hour back, so every a lot of week, commitment for your mum and dad. Yeah, to make, exactly. Isn't it? Like it's a lot of time. Like that you want to. I think my my dad calculated it once. Like driving, like <laughs> with me, with my, me and my brother were com- yeah. combined to like driving two sets and um driving to lessons he'd like driven around the globe twice <laughs> wow. like, i know which is crazy yeah. so you sort of those are the moments which you also start to think well no i must pursue this career because of mum and dad because there's yourself. people have invested exactly. in me and I, I can't let them down and i've completely felt the same like again similar isn't it mum and dad have invested so much time effort money into what i want to do yeah and i remember sitting there like, i don't want to do this anymore but how on earth would i even go speak to my parents had them. you had you like ever considered another career other than horses because that's what's quite interesting yeah. similar to me is i i couldn't have no other career and it's similar to yeah you. I, I don't we, know what i didn't I'd know have any, done. We, we didn't i wouldn't know i wouldn't else. i've got like very yeah. poor gcses i don't know what i'm going to go into oh, i didn't really have a passion or hobby for anything else no i'll be screwed no yeah me too i i i was lucky because I managed to turn it round. Yeah. And I guess slightly differently, I was still riding at the same time. So I was still always in that industry 24. I, it, I was in it 24 seven because like we say, it's a lifestyle horses, but I couldn't get out of there. Yeah. So it was hard. It was, was really locked hard. in the stable. But and that was yeah. It. Yeah. Pretty much. You, you had to be there, but I wanted to be out of it so much, but I was lucky. That I managed to turn it around. I don't know how, it was just more of a journey. I, you found an in, do you yeah. know what I mean? You found a way to capitalise on your trade mm. and actually earn from that. Like, and I think that's one of the great things that in your industry, like what you've managed to do, like you can go into different pathways. It's almost like branches out yeah, like exactly, how you yeah. do that. It's like that pyramid effect that we yeah, talk about. Yeah, exactly. Whereas me, I was like, I either teach acting or I am an actor yeah. or I'm an extra and I get up at piss o'clock in the morning and get yeah. treated like shit for 13 hours a day on set exactly. and then come back not wanting to do this ever again. Ever again. No, of course. And that was literally where, like, those were my options. No. I didn't want to do either of them anymore. No. So now I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. And do you know yeah. what? Like, I've never been, you know how they always say like that theory is like, life will take you on a journey and it already knows the end goal. Like, yeah. I, I do believe you make yeah. of what that is, but going back to like everything like happens for a reason, never before in my life have I truly believed or understood in that. Yeah. Like, circumstances change. Things that are such negative, something comes around yeah. because of that, and it changes the goal. If you didn't have those experiences, and I didn't have those experiences, we would not be sat here now doing what we're trying to do. So It's mental. It, it, like we say, <laughs> most of the bad things that have happened to us are blessings blessings in disguise no matter like we've been so lucky to be where we are now with what we're trying to do yeah um it's just the beginning so like taking this further now i guess with all your experiences that you've had yeah. and now you're sat here on an equestrian podcast <laughs> <laughs> talking about horses nice one how the acting has paid off <laughs> chin chin nay um and doing the male question clothing line half step with me how has your outlook on on coming into this industry been because obviously i'm in it so i have some views that are <laughs> not acceptable i guess within the industry but you're a complete outsider coming into this and you're 
coming in at such a late date, it'll be so interesting to hear oh, what you Oh, the thought. company should be scared because <laughs> I have no, I have nothing to lose. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting. It's, um, I've, there's a lot of similarities to stuff that I've gone through. I think that's why we work so passionately about um, giving back and helping people. Mm. Let's start with that. Do you know what I mean? Like that is mm. what I'm very happy that I'm in this industry. Two, I've met some amazing people, very down to earth, um, humble and just just lovely rounded people. Mm. On the other hand, I've met somewhat similar, similar, similar. Oh my God, this is going to be so... Colin, Giles, Colin you're the out. smart one. Similar, <laughs> similarly, similar, similar, similar. No, like you similarly. Oh my god! So <laughs> move on. Let's move, move on. on. I can't even. Two hours it. later, you're still. Trying yeah, I'll to still say be similar. trying it, man. I've not done my vocal warmups. Sim- Got to go home tonight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Get there. Um, who are the equivalent? I somehow matched it with a, a nicer word. Um, who are the equivalent? I'd say as um, quite pompous casting directors yeah. and producers. Um, they have their ring group, um, and the industry does feel very old fashioned it feels very elitist um and it doesn't feel very inclusive in all honesty um i've i'm again i'm still learning as i go and i read the comments i see people say oh no it's it's predominantly a male industry it's predominantly a female industry but it goes right okay where's the bridge like Mm. what from what i've learned is it's a dominated male industry for example but at the top and then everything underneath is is women yeah and then people kick off because they're like what are you saying all the representation is from the men i'm like okay well first of all if it needs to be inclusive the top riders need to be appreciated as women as well yeah but then on the bottom you need to appreciate that there is an issue where men aren't joining this sport because funny you should say that there's been talk about the olympics of it being split into sections because obviously uh, you'd have to explain the question the equestrian equestrian world um, it's the only sport that male and female compete against each other at the Olympics. Only sport. So because of this apparent reason that it's male dominated at the top level, there's talk that they're going to split it into sections of doing a male equestrian Olympics and a female. So you've got an even number. Do you get me? So instead of 20 men and 10 women in, in a class of 30, you'd have 15 men and 15 women competing separately and individually. Does that make sense? Yeah, but why? Because they're trying to say it needs to be more more inclusive. Like, So they're going to make it more inclusive by separating the men and the women? Yeah, because uh, I guess Wait. people's argument to that is, uh, is it a good thing that men and women compete against each other? Or is it a bad thing? Um, I mean, having done absolutely no research, no. It, <laughs> I feel like... Throwing you in the deep end there, mate. Yeah, Sorry. wow, cheers. <laughs> um, as a rider... Yeah. From what I've seen from you ride and seeing other people that have come, like for example, people that have come and t- tested the product yeah. and seeing people ride, that there is a lot of skill, talent, and almost a bond between you and your horse. It's a you, feeling, yeah. Yeah, to be able to control an animal yeah. like that. So respect, no matter your gender, respect that you have the balls to go and do that. Yeah. Because I tell you now, <laughs> nah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'll stick to my feet on the ground. Um, but I also feel like the majority or 90% of 
going to the Olympics or that sport mm. is done by yeah. how the horse is trained, yep. what the horse's genetics are. Yeah. So even though, yes, the rider has a lot to do. Um, Gender doesn't really come into play. It's the horse. Yeah, exactly. The rider can be shit whether it's male or female. So, <laughs> Well, they can be good whether it's male or female. Yeah, exactly. Well. So what does it make? I, by the sounds of it, that sounds like a stupid uh, idea and it is either furthering the problem of segregating the sport and making it less inclusive if anything and they're trying to mask that by saying that it is inclusive <laughs> so if anything they are backdating it yeah but they're backdating it with the excuse of they are bringing it up to date <laughs> doesn't make sense that doesn't no. make sense no is that fair, is I, that is that somewhat right no, does that I, make sense i don't know if that's a fair I, point I, in for... my opinion i think i don't think anyone could have summed it up better I think that is the perfect summary. I could probably think of a few people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think that's a perfect summary of it, really. Because, like you say, from what your experiences in the industry, it is becoming, and again, I I can talk from being in it. Yeah. But having you alongside me and your outlook on it has definitely helped me realise that I wasn't the odd one out. Yeah. The industry was wrong (laughs) for not being as inclusive, inclusive as it should be, sorry. Um, and having you there alongside me to open my eyes, that has been brilliant because it's enabled me to do things like this and try and help other people that have felt the same. Yeah, we can ruin your career at the same time. We yeah, can do it yeah, we're doing that. Anyway. I ruin mine, just come down with me. The ship's <laughs> sinking, we might as well swim. But I also don't see, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, like I don't see a lot of different backgrounds, different ethnicities. No, I don't, don't see much from the Bane community. I mean, we, we come from, we're in a very sort of privileged countryside. And we've got a really exciting interview coming up that hopefully should cover that topic soon. Yeah. Oh, to be fair, yeah, yeah, yeah completely. Yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, um, yeah I, we, I don't... We won't give away too much details just yet. No, but that's that's another thing. Like, I don't I don't see... Pe- I couldn't see someone from a council estate, like no. mid-London, no. going and riding a horse. I'd absolutely love to because I feel like having seen what they can do, mm. like, it's a a mental time out. Do yeah, you know I mean, it's exactly. almost like a level of peace. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. I want to see people from all classes, all backgrounds come in. But you asking what my opinion is, I feel like currently um, people won't come into the industry because it feels too elitist. Yeah, of course. And, and it I, is, in all honesty. Yeah, it is. Tears. And I guess if I ask you now, before you had anything to do with horses, what was your opinion on horsey people? What would that be? Posh twat. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that is, is the perception. That, that is we'll, a stereotype. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But the industry has accepted that and that's what we give across. Whereas that's the funny thing. It's far from it. Most of the horsey people are the most hardworking people that are literally scraping paycheck to paycheck to look after the horse and they would do anything to make, look after their horse. They would give up everything they had to look after that horse. Yeah. But it's how the industry portrays itself. Why would an industry want to give that? I don't, I don't know. It's silly because like, yeah, growing up like, and this thing like the stereotypes mainly come from like, oh, she's a horse girl. Mm. She's, she's a horsey girl. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's it always a weird. she. It's yeah. always, well, first of all, it's always a she. Yeah. I don't hear, oh, he's a horsey guy. I, I don't think no. I've ever heard that. Um, but then also from a male perspective, if another bloke was to ride a horse, like, yeah, especially when I was growing up younger, mm. I wouldn't stereotype it now, but when I was younger and, majority of people i think by the sounds of it who leave this career or leave this hobby because they feel embarrassed by it they drop out of it not in their 20s where it's actually getting difficult as like being an adult and alongside a career they drop out of it when it is a hobby because of either being bullied 
or they're embarrassed of the stereotypes that the industry is allowing to continue mm. on. So I don't, for a guy, I wouldn't hear like, oh, he's a horsey guy. And if you did, wrongly so, you'd, you'd presume, uh, you'd assume their sexuality, you'd sort of assume them as a person, their class, all of these negative stereotypes. Like, I'm sure that when I was younger, automatically comes to your head because that is society's perception of mm. that one specific thing. Very different now. I'm older and I've got a bit more knowledge and being in this. But then there's that complete other side to it that in uh, there was a comment on one of your TikToks I remember reading that, and it's <laughs> rightly so, like in, in Texas, like it's the foundation of being a man yeah, is riding exactly. a horse. You and think, it's funny how it differs country to country because... How much does it differ though? From the feedback that we have got, it seems that America is like place in America seem really manly, but over here we have the perception that it's a girl sport. And again, going back to feedback that we've had from the initial podcast, we've had people comment that their son, age nine, is getting bullied already for riding horses. And then up to, I've had a 15 year old guy message me saying, thank you again, because us talking about what we did in the initial episode has made him want to continue and just ignore the bullying that he's getting for it. So that's amazing. Which and this is exactly why we want to do this is to try and help people in that situation. Um but yeah, it's weird how like it differs in each each country or yeah. each state even. Yeah. I mean when you say like the amount of people that have one message you on how we're helping them. Um it's, I'm linking it and it, this isn't sort of like a free promo ad no. like but with with half step and what we're doing with the clothing like there there was that one message that really stuck out to me where someone got in touch with us and they didn't even realize we was doing the clothing at the time and they said um they've got a a, a young son gets bullied for horse riding mm. um but on top of that also gets bullied for wearing female clothes yeah um and didn't have a real so male that, role model either. No. And so first of all, that for me coming into the industry was quite, um, it, it was hard to hear. Yeah. And I, it was eye opening, but it was hard to hear because I think, I think he was autistic as well. Yeah. Um, I've worked as a, as a domiciliary nurse. I've worked with people with special needs. I've, I've worked with the elderly. And it's horrible the idea like breaching those. Like, you ever just think of a kid getting bullied and you yeah. feel like sad for more tomatoes? Like, Why the fuck am I getting sad? This is imaginary in my head. And I heard that, and the fact on top of that that he's having to wear female clothes because there are yeah, there's probably tons of male clothing out there, but they look outdated. They're boring, yeah. and the sizing's completely wrong. Yeah. So people just resolve resolve themselves to wearing female yeah. clothes and it goes back to again with half step that we want it not just to be a clothing brand we want it to be a community and bring people the same experiences together so they can instead of feeling isolated well it's exactly what we've always said yeah what we are doing here is a movement mm. and it's not an organization no and that is the difference between business and life i feel like mm. that's a very there's a very fine line and um we're sort of walking on the edge of we are putting ourselves out there to not be afraid to piss people off, companies off, and pretty much the industry. <laughs> I, I kind of get a kick out of it, in all honesty, so I don't care. It's it's more impressive that you've put yourself in a position to do that, to give people a voice of these. 
and on, on these topics. Yeah, and we wanted to create a platform for riders to come on and talk about their experiences to help that next generation. At the end of the day, it's too late for me in a way, really. Now I've had my bad experiences, but if we can help the younger generation come through in some way, that's exactly why we're doing it. Yeah. But like you say, I've had to realize that you know what i can't keep accepting what's going on with the industry i've got a love and a passion for it but well, it must be painful for you to watch yeah I mean, like yeah you grew exactly up in it. but again i was i always felt <laughs> i was the outsider like i felt it was my fault rather than the industry's fault whereas now being older and, and again I, I completely always put it back to you coming into into my life and making me look at it in a different way shouldn't feel like that no other guy should feel like that no yeah. other no, and i say guy no other female rider should feel like, no one should feel like it in the industry that they're outsider because of their upbringing or where they come from or or who they are no. so that's what we're trying to do that is really really what we're trying to do and today we've, we've talked a lot really it's been quite a depressive conversation <laughs> sorry mate i'll sit here and i usually i'm on the other side and i give the gags every so often i don't know what's worse being the interviewee or the interviewer so, um, <laughs> it's weird when we're both doing it we've not got to yeah, guess. it's exactly. so much easier doing basically it the other side. we've sat here for an hour having a depressive conversation <laughs> but hopefully it might help people along the way but um well, that's the most important thing that you can get from it. exactly from what you know now and the journey that you've been on if you had any advice for your younger self what would that be Oh, we're, we're, is this going to become an absolute theme? It seems the theme of the podcast so far. Asking people with them what their their advice is. Um, uh, I can put you on the back foot now rather than the oh, other mate, way around. You must absolutely love that. Um, I would say don't see rejection as a negative. No. Rejection is a stepping stone to success. There are moments where I find myself now where I don't think I'd have the mindset and the ability to get through some of the hard times if I hadn't experienced those Mm. previous in life. So when you're faced with challenges, when you are at your lowest, define yourself there. Because I promise you, your future self will be thanking you and just keep going. Yeah. I don't think you could have summed that up much better. (laughs) Well, look, it's been brilliant talking to you. Like we haven't even touched half of what I wanted to go through, but (laughs) I hope people listening at home can relate to what we've spoken about. And I hope again, what we've discussed can help people. And that's why we're doing it. And, yeah, I'm sorry for anyone in the equestrian <laughs> industry who's just had to listen to a non-horse person talk. For no, but it goes back to all your experiences are so relatable to the industry. So thank you for being so open because I, I'm sure it will help people that have been listening today. So thank you so much to everyone who's watched this episode. Look, we've got some really exciting interviews coming up that will be out soon. So please subscribe. And keep your eyes out for what's coming. Um, Yeah. Only tools and horses are out.